0: Here's my prayer for you. The Lord be with you. Our scripture reading is going to be from the book of Exodus today, Exodus chapter 12. So if you're able to take a Bible that you brought with you or your phone or the Bible that's in the chair, Genesis, Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 12, starting with verse 1. We were dwelling in the book of Exodus this week. Uh, If we were doing the readings that were in there, how many of you had a chance to read any of those from Exodus this week? Okay, so this is the continuing story of what's going on. We're up to chapter 12 now. And I'm going to read starting with verse 1. Exodus 12, 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month each man is to take a lamb for his family one for each household if any household is too small for a whole lamb they must share one with their nearest neighbor having taken into account the number of people there are you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each what each person will eat the animals you choose must be year old males without defect And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of your houses, where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And then jump down just a few verses to verse 29. At midnight... The Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up! Leave my people, you the Israelites. Go! Worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds and as and go and bless me. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. Does anybody here know what Sinology is? I've got an image here I want to go. There it is. Synology. Sinology is not going on the internet to find images of all kinds of weird signs. I'll just let you know that's not what it is. But there's a lot of weird images out there. Sinology is actually looking at signs as indicators or clues or hints or some reminder of a bigger truth that a sign is something that represents something else it's something that you make an association with and then you remember a connection the sign makes you think of something really important other than the sign itself okay that's sinology. there's a study of this and i'm gonna give you a couple of examples to test your Sinology iq okay so can you what comes to mind when you see that yeah okay poison or hazard Hazardous material, maybe. Don't eat this thing, right? Or maybe in some context, pirates, if you put a bandana on it, maybe. Okay, good, good job. What about this one? What comes to mind when you see this? Freedom. The country, United States. Okay, and there's actually signs within the sign on this because there's 50 stars on here. What do those signs represent? Okay, and 13 stripes. Okay, and then the color blue. You know what that represents justice okay and then the red and the white also have significance red has to do with valor and white has to do with purity so if you know these signs when you see a flag like this you don't just see a flag right you see all kinds of things that's signology okay what about this one what do you think of when you see that Yeah, we all know what that means, and usually we think of something often related to, like, parking or not parking in that particular spot, right? What happens if you see this sign? Have you seen this one before? Okay. This is actually a sign that was created by people who are actually handicapped because they wanted to replace the wheel with the heart as a symbol of how they see themselves, not how we see them, but how they see themselves, and they see themselves as not being disabled but as being Uniquely abled. So it's about uh, attitude and about a lifestyle that they're choosing for themselves. So even a simple change in a sign can change its meaning, its significance quite a bit. Okay, I'm going to show you, what, well, I'll ask you first of all, what do you think is one of the most popular and common signs worldwide? I don't even have to show you the entire sign I can just show you partial signs and there's all kinds of there's dozens and dozens and dozens hundreds, maybe thousands of different variations on this sign that I could show you and you would go, oh that's a cross and then you can tweak this sign by adding the body of Christ on and then you have a crucifix and it has a different meaning or a different significance if you do that so you all got that one what is this a sign of? okay, you're thinking sacrifice when you see that I was torn between showing this and showing just a picture of like a cute little lamb. But I decided to show you this one as a representation of Passover, okay? And my main goal in the next few minutes is to invite you to keep looking at the lamb, okay? That's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to watch the lamb and try to figure out what is this sign going to tell us? What is the sign for? What meaning will we have after we've looked at the land for a little bit? Okay, so we understand the backstory to today's reading that Moses was raised up as the people groaned, wanting to be freed from slavery. God sent them Moses, and Moses came. And if you read the readings this week, you recognize that the first chapters of Exodus are like this super fast paced adventure right? So Moses is rescued from the river, he's raised by his mother, and then he's raised in Pharaoh's household, and then he goes out and he kills the Egyptian, and then he runs away, and then he's Hurting his father's sheep. He gets a wife and a son. And then there's the burning bush. He gets called back to Pharaoh. There's this showdown, this face-to-face moment when he says, let my people go. And then Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And so there's the nine plagues, one right after another, each one very dramatic. If you're reading through the first 11 chapters of Exodus, you get a, a drama that's played out with great intensity and at a very rapid pace. And then all of a sudden we get to chapter 12, and we get to the 10th plague, and all this action comes grinding to a halt immediately. And we get a description of what the 10th plague is going to be, and then we get a very lengthy description of a sign that God is going to give his people. And then we actually have 53 verses total, if we read it all, describing the significance of this sign and what it means and exactly how to do it. Now, if you can imagine this, uh, Egypt is just been told, if you do not let my people go, you're going to suffer the 10th plague, which is the death of the firstborns. Firstborn people and animals. And in fact, this plague is going to be extended to anyone. It could even be extended to the Israelites unless the Israelites pay attention to this sign that God is giving them. And then God goes into this great Detail and very precise description about what's going to happen. Now, these instructions are so vital to the people that I find it interesting that they're even told, listen, you're going to start your year with this sign. Rewrite your calendars. Change your calendars. This is the first month, the first day, starting now, getting ready for this sign. So your whole calendar is now oriented toward this sign. And then Moses gets up with his, what I think of as kind of a logistical nightmare, He has to give these detailed instructions to all these people because they're so vitally important. Their life and death matters. Their future depends on them keeping this. And if you want to just track what's happened to the people this time, remember God has blessed them through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're going to be blessed people. You're going to be more um, multitude of people. And since they came to Egypt with 70, at this time we're told there's about 600,000 men. And if you do the math, it calculates out to probably around two and a half million people. That's how many Israelites are in Egypt at this time. And these life and death instructions have to go to all of them. And so Moses has a really big challenge. So he has to tell the the nation all these things. Take a perfect year old lamb or goat. Get it on the 10th of this month. Slaughter it on the 14th of this month. Roast it. All of it with herbs. Don't leave any leftovers. And eat with your sandals on and your staff in your hand, with your bags packed. And hurry up. This is hasty. It's very important. And oh, by the way, when you slaughter this lamb, take some of the blood and smear it on the door frames of your house. Because if you don't do that, your firstborn will die. And he's got to get this instruction out to all two and a half million people. And then they have to get it and they have to follow it exactly in order for this sign to come to pass. I can't even imagine how this works out. I was trying to think of what would it be like if I even had to stand in front of you this morning and tell you now um, at a certain time and a certain day you got to go get a certain animal and you got to kill it and you got to save some of the blood and then you got to roast this and you got to do all this stuff. And I'm imagining that some of you would just look at me and go, I can think of a better solution than that. You know, I can think of a better way for this to happen and I can imagine some of you not into being in a hurry would say, I don't want to really rush through this so maybe we should just take our time. I enjoy a leisurely meal a little bit better. And I can imagine that maybe some of you would go, let me check my calendar on that. I think I might have something on the 14th. I've got to wash my hair. So how about the 15th? Can we do it on the 15th? And I can imagine that someone else could say, this is all so ridiculous because that's a lot of lambs and a lot of blood. Can't we do some other thing? And I can imagine that the people that Moses was talking to had some of those same reactions. So why this logistical nightmare? Why this intense focus on this lamb? Why this Passover sign? And it seems to me that it's because of the importance of this moment. Moses is saying that this meal marks the beginning of an entirely new identity for you people. Yeah, you people have thought of yourselves for a long time as people of the promise, people of the covenant. You're the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have received this promise. But all these people that Moses is talking to, the only thing they have known is slavery. That's all they've known. They don't know anything else. And they needed something to help them to begin to break away from that and start over and recognize we are God's people. We are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We belong to the God who makes promises and keeps promises. We are part of the covenant. That's who we are. And because they've lived so long under this burden of slavery, they've been living under this ruthless treatment for generations, they need something that's going to be a permanent sign that will remind them that God loves them so much he wants to free them from this slavery. In fact, part of the verses, if you go back and read the entire chapter, is the commandment that says, this isn't going to be done just once. This is going to be done every year on the same day. You're going to go out and you're going to get a lamb, one year old, and you're going to slaughter it and you're going to roast it with these herbs and you're going to eat it and you're going to remember the God of the promise. And you're going to remember your identity, that you are no longer slaves. You've been set free because that's how much God loves you, that he wants to free you. The people of God needed a do-over, and they needed to be reminded of this do-over year after year after year. And so this passage says, there's one sign I want you to focus on, and it's the lamb. Don't take your eyes off the lamb. Once you were slaves and treated ruthlessly, now you're going to be free. And it's because the lamb's blood shed for you that you are free. Of course, we have a sign that we participate in every month, right? We gather at the table, and there's little pieces of bread. But it's not bread, it's a sign. What's it a sign of? The body broken. And we take these little cups of juice. But it's not juice. It's a sign of what? Christ's blood shed. And we're reminded month after month after month that we are God's people and we are freed by the body broken and the blood shed. Interesting that when John first saw Jesus, you know what he said? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God Watch the Lamb. Who was the sign of the Passover for? I had a real misconception about this for years because I always thought that this sign of this blood on the doorposts, that's for God, right? Because the angel of the death is going to come and he's going to like see this blood and so he's going to pass over that. God needs to see that. That's what I thought. But that's not what the Scriptures say. Listen to this again. This is Exodus 12, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord, The blood of the Passover lamb will be a sign for you. This week was the first time I ever noticed that. These people needed to look at the lamb. They needed to be reminded that God loved them so much that he was going to deliver them from this slavery and he was planning to set them free. That they were about to embark on a whole different life than anything they've ever experienced because God was willing to set them free. Watch the Lamb. It is a sign for us. So I've been wrestling a little bit this week with, you know, what? so what? We're reading these stories about God's actions in Exodus years ago with generations of God's people long past. What does it mean for us? Is there an application here for us? And I I don't know if this is exactly right, but I started to think about the fact that we've been enslaved We're enslaved by sin. It is a burden that we carry. And some of us try to carry it ourselves. And the longer we try to carry it, the greater the burden becomes. Sin enslaves us. So it seems like one of the first steps we should take would be to say, let's just name that. Let's name the fact that our sin has enslaved us. When we're angry, when we're rude, when we have lust, when we have gluttony, when we have pride, these things enslave us. We need to acknowledge that. We need to name that. I was talking with someone this week and they were telling me a little bit of story about their, uh, I guess, road rage, you'd call it. She was driving early in the morning and as she was driving, there was a guy jogging along the side of the road wearing all dark and it was not light yet. And apparently she didn't see the guy until she was right beside him and the guy was mad, so he you know, chased after her car and I don't know if there was uh, any signs exchanged or anything like that, but... She, as she drove away from this guy, she was mad. She could feel herself being mad. And as she drove, she continued to be angry about this. And she got just a few blocks away and she heard God say, forgive the guy. And you know what she experienced as soon as she did that? Freedom. This is what happens if we don't let go of our sin. It, it enslaves us. It bondages us. And once we are recognizing that, then we cry out to God and we say, God, forgive us. And he does. He does. He says, there is a do-over for all of us, and it comes because of the blood shed for you by the Lamb on the cross. And so the last thing I think is a good step is then to celebrate, to keep our eyes fixed on the Lamb and remember that whatever we've done, whatever sin, whatever shortcoming, whatever traps us, enslaves us, there's forgiveness, and it comes because of the one sacrifice made for us. Every year on the same day, the people of God celebrate the Passover. This is in commandment to that verse 27. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for generations to come. God says, keep celebrating this day. Observe this sign, the Passover sacrifice. And if you pay attention to the detail in Scripture and how this all works out, something else really important happened during Passover. These, again, are words from John. He says this, Then the Jews led Jesus to the palace of the Roman governor Pilate to avoid ceremonial uncleanness. The Jews did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat Passover. Pilate said to the Jewish leaders, It is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, No, not him. Crucify him. So Jesus was arrested and crucified during Passover. I don't think there's a clearer message in Scripture than to behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Maybe this is news to you, maybe it's not, but I think it's amazing that God gave us a little picture way back in exodus of the way that the blood of the lamb was going to save us and give us forgiveness and that this blood could be applied to any one of us who is willing to receive that and many of us have and if you have not yet received that forgiveness through faith in christ we encourage you to consider that and maybe talk to us even before you leave here today about what could it mean for you to be freed from the bondage of sin to be freed from the slavery that comes Many of us have already experienced that. Here's one of the values, I think, that comes from dwelling in the Word. As we dwell in the Word, the Word begins to dwell in us. And it begins to shape us and form us. And this doesn't happen with a quick, hasty reading of the Word and we just brush through it. It doesn't happen if we just take this all on as like facts and information. Like, oh, it's great to know all this stuff about the Passover and what God has done for us. It really takes on its shape, uh, its shaping power as we sit with it, as we dwell with it, as we reflect as we let it abide with us. And that's why part of our call for dwelling in the Word has been, you know, read it and write it and say it and sing it and meditate on it and pray it. These are all things we do as we let the Word sit with us and we sit with it for a while. And that's what I wanted to try to do this morning. I don't want to rush through this and I don't want to give you any more facts about the Passover. I want us to keep our eyes focused on the Lamb and think about what that might mean for you to know that you can be freed from anything that enslaves you because the blood of the Lamb has been shed for you. So I want you to reflect and think about that. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a few minutes right now to do that. We're going to show a little video, and uh, you can watch the video, listen to the words, or close your eyes, or whatever you want to do. But I want you to keep your eyes for the next few moments on the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world.
1: Time had come to sacrifice again My two small sons They walked beside me on the road The reason that they came Was to watch the Lamb Daddy, Daddy What will we see there? So much that we don't understand. So I told them of Moses and Father Abraham. And then I said, Dear children, watch the land. There will be so many in Jerusalem today. Must be sure the land doesn't run away and I told them of Moses and Father Abraham and then I said dear children watch the land I knew something must be wrong There were no joyful worshipers No joyful worship songs I stood there with my children In the midst of angry men Then I heard the crowd cry out I did not wish to play Why upon this day Were men condemned to die Why were we standing here Where soon they would pass by I looked and said Even now they come The first one cried for mercy The people gave him none The second one was violent He was arrogant and loud I still can hear his angry voice Screaming at the crowd Then someone said There's Jesus I scarce believe my eyes. A man so badly beaten, he barely looked alive. Blood poured from his body, from the forms upon his brow, running down the cross, falling. He struggled, I watched him as he fell, the cross came down upon his back, the crowd began to yell, in that moment I felt such agony, in that moment I felt such loss, until a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed, dude! tried to resist him, then his hand reached for his sword, and so I knelt and took the cross from the Lord. I placed it on my shoulder and started down the street. The blood that he'd been shedding was running down my cheek. To Golgotha, they drove nails deep in his feet and hands. And yet upon the cross I heard him pray, Father, forgive them. Oh, never have I seen such love in any other eyes. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Years, i lost all sense of time. Until I felt two tiny hands holding tight to mine. My children stood there weeping. I heard the oldest say, "Father, please forgive us." Then ran away Daddy, Daddy What have we seen here? There's so much that we don't understand So I took them in my arms Turned and faced the cross Then I said, dear children Watch the land